Hello and welcome to the latest briefing from Heart Standard. Uh, my name is James Kearney and today I'm joined by Scott McIntosh of um, Amoruso Let's It Run fame. Uh, how, you doing? how you doing, Scott? Yeah, very good, James. Thanks very much for uh, having me on. <laughs> oh no, always a pleasure, always a pleasure. Um, so obviously Heart of Midlothian um, on the 27th of December, so a wee bit after Christmas, but still time for one last present is we got that... Fantastic derby victory, the 1-0 win at Easter Road. Not the greatest of games, let's be honest, but these are the matches where it's just all about getting the three points, getting the result, and of course, just another wonderful goal from Lawrence Shankland. So, obviously, next up there is Ross County on Saturday afternoon at Tynecastle Park. But before we do, before we look ahead to County, we're going to quickly just cast our, our minds back over the last few games. So we're going to be looking at the, the 2-0 win at Parkhead um, just a couple of weeks ago. Then there's the 2-0 win at St Mirren, uh, home to St Mirren, and of course the 1-0 win at Easter Road. So I, I, I wrote a piece um, for the website earlier this earlier this week where I was basically saying that I felt that, with particularly with the wins over Celtic and Hibs, at this point now it's getting... Um, I think it's quite difficult to have reservations about Naismith, given that, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but you look at things like the improvement in the waveform, the improvement in defence, the improvement in set pieces, and the fact that, I mean, I think now Hearts have now got, was it 10 clean sheets in 19 league games? So, you know, they're keeping clean sheets more often than not. Yes, there are still areas that can get better. Obviously, the attack, they're still scoring fewer than a goal a game in the league. That's not ideal. But I was just wondering, Scott, for yourself, because I know that you've, You've certainly had reservations about Naismith in the past. Now, just wondering, have his last kind of three matches or so, have they changed anything for you? Yeah, I, I think I think specifically if you maybe look at the last sort of eight nine games, uh, if you sort of factor in our form over over that period, I think you've got to, you've got to give credit. Uh, I, w- I was discussing this with, with Joel last night actually when we were on a, a separate show, and the the question did get raised about you know. Has the noise now started to quiet down <clears throat> with regards mm-hmm. to Naismith and his position? And and I think you know you've you've got to you've got to go with the the evidence that's in front of you. Uh, I know, like I always speak for myself. I know that in my in my case there was probably a little bit of petulance on on my behalf and and probably being a bit cynical because even something that Stephen Naismith had no control over, I think the way that the the appointment was handled was probably viewed quite cynically by myself and a few others. Mm-hmm. So that probably skewed some of the some of the analysis at the start of the season. I think also everything was so tailored towards looking at the improvements that we were going to see in the final third that I think over those first few weeks or first couple of months as well, there was not a reluctance, but I think we just maybe weren't, looking at the the clear improvement that was being made in terms of defending set plays Mm. and our sort of shape as a defensive unit. So I think, you know, I think there's been some things that unfortunately Stephen Naismith hasn't had any control over. I think the one thing that he'll probably look back on himself and and probably think he probably shouldn't have came out with was maybe the the hype around what he wanted to see himself when he when he mm. got the position. Uh, but again, you know, that was months ago. I think there's only so long you can sort of hold that against someone. Uh, and, and like I say, you know, I, I definitely think that the majority of the fans would be quite happy to just sort of see how this, the season sort of unfolds. There's certainly, 
improvements and, and confidence and form that many of our attacking players need to try and find between now and May because if we continue to have to rely on Lauren Shanklin to sort of bail us out every week, mm. that that sort of comment I've made weeks ago about this season being defined by fine margins will still be there because he, you know, as good as he's been, it's very hard to ask him to do it week in, week out. So I do think we need to try and find some some sort of alternative sort of goal scoring option out there, whether it's from set plays, whether it's someone like Vargas, Tagawa, Oda, Mackay, someone coming in, even chipping in with a, just a handful of goals, you know, mm. even just sort of five or six goals between between now and May, then then that would certainly help. But he's he's done more than enough to sort of you know, give them that good grace between now and now, now and the end of the season to see if we can sort of continue this form uh, and hopefully sort of improve in that that final third. Because uh, I guess that that is obviously the biggest concern. I think at the moment, um, I think like we say, you can look at areas of the team and you can see progress in quite a lot of areas. But that's maybe the one area you'd say things could definitely be a bit better. You like you say, I mean, Shanklin's on was that sixteen goals now yeah. for the season. I mean, and, and again, I think I'm right in saying that Hearts' is tech, second top scorer right now is own goals with three. I think yeah, the, that's right. Yeah. And there's I only a handful of players have a couple, and then after that, everyone's on one goal. I think. I it's like I think Oda's. I think Oda's got two. I think Forrest has two. And there's somebody else as well that I'm missing. But yeah, but I, as we say, it's. You know, if, if Shanklin, obviously Shanklin's a wonderful player and he's in fantastic form, but. You can't do it every week, and you know, we saw earlier on in the season he had that you know, was it seven, eight, nine games without a goal, something like that. And you know, at that time the team were really struggling. You know, that was when um, you know there was defeats to Dundee, there was the draw um, home to Kelly, there was defeat in, out in Paisley against St Mirren, and it seemed that I guess that's maybe the one thing you'd say at the moment where if if Shanklin's not scoring, you do wonder where else the goals are going to come from, but. Um, I, I do, as I say, I, I think I agree with a lot of what you said there, Scott. I think that since, um, obviously, at Hearts, we know that the pressure's like, you know, there's lots of demands, and let's face it, you're, you know, you're only ever a few bad results away from, you know, people getting pressure, being under pressure, and the yeah. fans getting a bit mm-hmm. upset. And, you know, that's that's the nature of life at a club the size of Hearts. You know, that's the way it goes. But I do think that, particularly, like you say, you look back over the last, was it seven wins and nine now? And you're looking at the next two games as well, obviously you don't want to get ahead of yourselves, but you think that's another great chance, a really good opportunity to get another 4.6 points on the board again. So I think that, and then and if, obviously if, <clears throat> if, if Hearts were to win those two games, that's then nine wins and 11 matches. Like that's excellent on a form. That's absolutely brilliant. So I think that, I think you're right. I think that there has been, you know, especially if, if Hearts go off a couple of games without a win, then people are going to go, nah, you know, like ah, an experienced manager, get, you know, we're not getting the attacking football or promised, uh, you know, get them out, bring in somebody else. But I do think that now, because of those results recently, again, like, it's been chipping away at milestones, you know, the first first win in Celtic Park yeah. since 2007, you know, stringing five wins together for the first time in, it's about 15 years or something like that, wasn't it? It was a long time as well. You know, like, um, you know, maybe it wasn't as long as that, actually, sorry, no, it was about five or six, actually, but, you know, still, really long time. <laughs> you know, little things like this, where there's little milestones that's getting ticked off, ticked off, ticked off. And I think that up until the Celtic game, my main reservations were that I didn't think that Naismith had shown that um, the team could really punch up effectively. I know, obviously, there's a game at Ibrox where 
Hearts were very, very close to getting three points or even at least one. Obviously, didn't get anything in the end. But I think, you know, showing that they can play away at Celtic Park against, let's be honest, better players and still managing to find a way and get the result and to do it so comprehensively, that really yeah. impressed me. And then, of course, after that, the one thing you could say is, oh, well, we'd taken charge of three derbies, but hadn't uh, hadn't hadn't won any of them. Okay, there's mitigating circumstances like the you know the early sending off, you know the, um, the last season or you know that crazy 82 seconds at Tynecastle earlier this year. But again, it wasn't a brilliant game of football. But he got he finally got that win. He got that, that those three points. And so now I look at it and I kind of go, well, Hearts are third in the league. Um, you know, two points ahead of Kelly with a game in hand. Nice cushions ahead of Hibbs and Aberdeen, who you'd still imagine will be the most likely challenges challengers for third come the end yeah. of the season. So I think that there's a again. I think right now it's like, well, what more could reasonably have been expected at this at this stage? That's what, in a way I look at it. Where it's you know third place, a, a good cushion, precisely halfway through the season, getting results in the end, you know, able to play against the old firm, able to get results against Hibbs. Finding they've now managed to find a way to beat these low blocks that we're seeing a lot at Tynecastle from the likes of you know Levy or St Johnston or whoever it is. So again, I look at it and I go like, yeah, okay, it's not perfect. There's still there's still work to be done. But when you, I think when you look at it from the whole, it's like well, it's a pretty good season so far. I mean, if if Hearts were to maintain their um, current points, average you know, points per game or whatever over the end of the season, it would be. Um, what sixty odd points or something to finish on? That should be a, a remarkable total. You know, that's something we don't see very, all that often. So, I do think that, um, like you say, I think I think there's maybe that little bit of goodwill in the bank now. Whereas before, when if there's a couple of bad results, Naismith might find himself in a, you know, under pressure. Whereas now, you can I think if there were a couple of disappointing results, there'd maybe be that little bit more goodwill. I think I think as well over the last three games, what I've noticed is that there's certainly been progress, even in terms of some of our one and two touch football from defence mm. to midfield. And that link there is quite strong now. I think getting Atkinson back in, who for some of his faults in terms of lifting his head and sometimes concentration, I think he is a willing player in terms of taking the ball and taking the ball in tight spaces and being very brave. Mm. I think Naismith's clearly working with him as well to try and get him to take up different positions and make those sort of inverted fullback runs. Cochrane's getting stronger again after missing quite a bit of the start of the season through suspension and injury. And I think, you know, the likes of even, you know, on Wednesday, I thought Kent and Rolls were really comfortable with the ball at their feet. Uh, Kingsley's always been that way. Mm. And Benny's starting to come onto a game as well. So there is the foundations there where there's a spine to the team. And I, I would say some of the one and two touch stuff that we played on, on Wednesday night was pretty decent. Again, it's it's just about linking midfield to attack. Aye. And whether the parts are there and it just needs to be worked on or whether we need to look at January and maybe bring one or two players in. I know that they're obviously keen to bring in another right-sided player duty, Atkinson being away on uh, Asian Cup duty. Aye. But there is a bit of me that would like to maybe see another forward player brought in. Uh, Tagawa's clearly struggled to adapt I think on and off the park going by what the, the club have released over the last few weeks Boyce injury wise never quite sure how much of the season he'll be able to see out as well so mm. I think maybe another option in there maybe someone it's going to be hard to replace what, what Ginelli was able to offer us last season but I think someone, an alternative to that someone that can maybe stretch teams, because that is still where we're struggling. I thought Forrest done a really good job of it in the first half on on Wednesday. I think mm. it was a really good outlet, and I think 
he was finding pockets of space in between <clears throat> Lewis Miller and Will Fish. Oh, definitely. Yeah. In that first half. So I think, that, you know, there, there is there is potential there that maybe someone like him or Vargas can come in and maybe flourish between now and, and May. But, yeah, that's possibly a, a position they need to look at in January because, again, I mean, Shanklin, who knows? He, he maybe can maintain this form, but I think it is it's a difficult task to sort of carry the team for that lengthy time. He's already probably done it now for the last two or three months and I think we do need to try and lighten that burden uh, as much as we possibly can. Uh, no, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I think that yeah, just having another goal scoring team would be really helpful. I think though, again, maybe this is just because he's available and because he's a great player, but I look at someone like Kevin Van Veen and go, well, he's probably available for buttons. Okay, he's not like you say, he's not got that. He's not that pacey player. He's not the kind of guy he's going to burst in behind. Of course not. But kind of similar to Shanklin, a really technical player, brilliant on the ball. You know, not that, not less pace. I just think of you know, obviously we all saw what he was doing, particularly the second half of last season at Motherwell, where it was just remarkable. So I mean, just, I'd quite like to see him just because I, I like I like Van Veen. I thought he was a great player. I'd like to see him back. At, but again, like you say, he's maybe not the best fit tactically, but he's good fun. Um, I mean, there is that rumor about Bruce Anderson about the pre-contract. I don't know how mm-hmm. much they stock there is in that. Uh, he's someone I quite like. Uh, I, I think, again, similar to Shanklin pre-signing for Hearts, some fans would maybe look at the, the goal return and they would maybe think, I don't know, but you, you've got to take into consideration who he's played for, how they play, do they play his strengths. I think Aye. I've seen enough out of him to suggest that he would be a good addition to the squad. And if there's an option there where you don't have to wait to the summer. I mean, Livingston aren't blessed or awash with, you know, financial wealth. Mm. I think Martin Deal's been on record for that quite a few times since Oh, has he mentioned that? Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, if you were to throw a, a few quid their way, I, I think mm. there is the potential there to maybe even get them in a, a little bit earlier. Uh, so that's, that's potentially an option as well or a route that can maybe take in January. Uh, I would like to see that. I, I definitely think that's that's the next part in the puzzle. You know, uh, having Halkett back, you know, we've, we've got more defensive cover now. Uh, I think midfield, although I'd still like to see us maybe look at someone, a, a proper box-to-box midfielder can chip in with goals, I think that can that can probably wait till the summer. Mm. That's something that they, they can maybe make a long-term signing for in the summer. But, yeah, definitely next month, uh, another sort of forward player and... Uh, a sort of right back or right wing back are, are probably the the two priorities that we need to look at. Nah, no, I'd absolutely agree. I'd absolutely agree. Um, I'll just quickly just seen Graham here in the comments, just saying that it uh, wasn't a massive Nazi fan, but results have changed opinions and he's changed my thoughts. So there we go. That's I, I, and I think that's fair. I think that yeah, I don't think you're alone. The, the true sense of analysing and sort of following football is. You, you take the evidence on board, whether that's good or bad. I, I think being stubborn one way or the other, like to me, I, I don't understand that. I'm quite happy mm-hmm. to say, you know, I was of a a certain opinion a, a few weeks ago. But from what I've seen specifically over the last three games, there is certainly progress. And I think when you see progress, it gives you a bit more comfort when the bad results come, because they inevitably will. So exactly. if you do... I think now there is that evidence now to suggest that if we do lose a couple of games in a row, you can look back at this running nine games and say, but there's something there to take mm-hmm. heart from and say that he can turn it round and get back to that. I think the problem with a, a manager with, with no track record is that as soon as you hit that bump in the road, 
you're unsure as to how he's going to handle that because there's no there's no historical evidence there to suggest yeah. that he can. Whereas now we're at a point in the season where we can see that, and I'd like to think that the fans will be quite patient with it. I think you've seen examples of fans being quite patient with the with the team and with Naismith at some of the recent home games. I think Livingston was a good example of that. Where I think the fans understood what the team were trying to do. They also understood what Livingston were trying to do, and I think there was definitely a lot of patience from the stands that night. And I think you saw it again against St Mirren. Like that was a that was a real sort of tactical battle, you know, between mm-hmm. St Mirren's press and what we were trying to do in terms of overloading the the centre of the park with Coxon and Atkinson. And again, I think the fans understood that although we weren't peppering their goal with efforts, I think they understood what we're trying to do, and they can see. I think about even a month ago, there was all that talk about not seeing an identifiable style. I mm. think you're now starting to see that now, especially with Atkinson and Cochrane getting a, a consistent run in the team. Aye, no, I'm, I agree entirely with basically everything you just said there, Scott. I think that's absolutely spot on. Um, I'll just see comment here from Andy as well, saying, <clears throat> surely I mentioned for Clark with all the clean sheets and the stick he's had. Um, yes, yes, obviously, yeah, three clean sheets in the bounds, saved a penalty against Hibbs. Uh, 10 clean sheets in 19 games this season. But what I'll do is ra- rather than um, like kind of singing from the rooftops about him just now, what I will do, Andy, is I'll direct you towards Joel, um, who's written an excellent piece um, that's went up on the site this morning, talking about um, Xander Clark, why he's undroppable at the moment, comparing him to other goalies, and talks about the whole situation, because obviously it's not an easy situation to be in when you've got a, a club legend like, standing over your shoulder just you know I mean we all saw what happened in the St Mirren game as well obviously when uh, he went down to Canock uh, Craig Gordon goes out to warm up and everyone's going absolute bananas so yeah it's, it's a really difficult situation to be in I think Clark's handled it brilliantly I think Naismith handled it really well as well whenever he's spoken about it but um, as I say I'd uh, make, make sure you check out Joel's piece on the, on the site for that one Andy because it's uh, he'll do it far better justice than I will because I know he's a He's dabbled in goalkeeping before, and he knows a lot more about that kind of stuff than I do. Um, right, anyway, I'll, I'll, we should probably start looking ahead to county, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I guess so. We've titled this episode "Can Hearts Replicate the Last Time Castle Meeting with Ross County?" That, of course, finished in a six-one demolition at, uh, in Gorgie. Do you think we're likely to see the same again? Probably not in terms of the number of goals. Mm. I, I think. I think we can expect a, a comfortable afternoon. Uh, I, f- I think, given how we're playing, it's, it's a really, it's quite a hard one to try and figure out how Ross County are going to react because they've mm. had two weeks now to stew over those comments with Derek Adams. They've not had a chance to react to that against either Hibs or Rangers. Uh, I think, given who they were playing, there was a there was a chance there that. You know, they could have had a couple of other bad results on top of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is going to be interesting to see how they react to it. I've I've sort of had a little look at how they've been setting up since Adams has came in, and they do seem to sort of favour a, a sort of three four one two. Mm-hmm. I think everything for them really needs to come through Yan Danda. That's their sort of one true sort of creative outlet. So for me, you know, as much as we should be focusing on ourselves, I think if we can keep him quiet we should have a relatively quiet afternoon at our end. And then it's just a case of, again, like we've talked about, just trying to get a bit more confidence in, in some of our players going forward. Uh, Barry Mackay, I thought he sort of flattered to deceive when he came on against mm-hmm. Hibs on Wednesday. Uh, but these types of fixtures are the ones where he normally turns up in and he normally can flourish. 
So I'd quite like to see him. I'm, I'm, I was thinking back to that Partick Thistle game where him and Lowry both sort of played. Mm. And I do think there's potential there because we're, we're not getting much of a tune out of some of our wide players, whether we sort of stick Mackay and Lowry in his sort of just free roles, just playing in behind Shankland and just getting them causing havoc. Mm. Uh, so there, there's a bit of me that we'd quite like to see that. I'm hoping that there's a, a potential there for that to be included in the starting lineup. Uh, so I mean, I, I was just writing up my um, my predicted lineup that will go out later on this afternoon, and I was looking at it, and I think that <clears throat> yeah, like you say, I noticed that Adams is largely playing that kind of three four one two. Part of me wants, wonders if um, a three four three would maybe <clears throat> end up seeing that because I think that Hearts, I think County have looked quite vulnerable uh, down the flanks <clears throat> yeah. in, in recent weeks. Obviously, not obviously not the last couple of weeks because they've not played, but in the last games before that, and I think that. So I think because of that, I think we'll probably end up seeing the usual back three. Maybe Halcott coming into this one just because I think that I, I wouldn't be too surprised. But I'm not sure who would get dropped. That's the only thing. Just, I think that Halcott is you know excellent in the air, and obviously we know that County they like to get balls in the box. They've got you know some big guys to aim for. I mean, I've got a comment here from um, where was it Graham uh, saying that Jordan White seems to have a decent scoring record against us. Again, he's a he's one of those guys again. You know. This big lump, you know, if he not falls into the back post, he can be a, a bit of a handful. So I think that, um, I'd say I wouldn't there is an opportunity to alternate, isn't there? Because I mm. think it's fair to say they won't be risking him at Livy. I wouldn't so, have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. so. so it, there is an opportunity, maybe either if it's Kingsley or Rolls. You know, Rolls has played a lot of football. Uh, if you consider he's, he's sort of international football as well since the summer, there's an opportunity there, even to sort of switch Kingsley over to left you know, centre-back and, and bring Halka in and then sort of swap it over again and try and freshen it up. There is quite a quick turnover in mm. fixtures, you know, for St Mirren to Livingston, so it, it, it would be an opportunity there, potentially, to bring Halka in. Like Graham's mentioned there, I think White's got maybe five or six goals against us during his time at County, so he is a, he is a threat, and again, with Jan Dander, if he set plays, that's probably, you know, the the true sort of threat that, that that Ross County can potentially bring to us. So yeah, that's a that's a good shout. Uh, so I, I think that um I like you say, yeah, county, let's face it, they're likely to sit deep. I don't think it'll be quite as um you know quite as bad as like like St. Johnson or Livingston where it was just eleven men camp behind the ball and seeing what happens and just daring hearts to break them down. I don't think it'll be quite like that. But I do think yeah, I think you make a great point about Danda. I think he's an excellent player. It always seems strange to me that Malcolm Mackay didn't really <clears throat> seem to be able to get much of a tune out of him. Like, and then we not... play him deep. He, he, tend, he, he quite liked yeah. him playing in a deeper role, which I get it. I get that sometimes managers quite like to have that sort of quarterback player that can sort of dictate play. But I think I think when you've got someone like him who quite clearly is tailor-made for a number 10 position mm. and influencing games further up the park, yeah, that was a that was a strange one. Uh, Aye, and absolutely. That was probably part of his downfall, to be honest, the fact that he couldn't really get a tune out of Danda specifically at the, at the start of this season. Uh, so I, I do wonder if, to kind of, because I agree, I think Danda's probably the, the biggest threat that County have got. And I think that, is it, you know, it's probably, it might be worthwhile just man-marking him, essentially. You know, maybe getting, asking, maybe, probably Beningami, me, but perhaps even someone like Denham, who's got, you know, got those, Got that energy, got the legs. He's you know just you can just kind of run around after him all, the whole time. So I think we might end up seeing that. Um, and then further forward, I mean, yeah, so my predicted lineup I had a midfield of Beningami and Denham with Cochrane and Atkinson either side. And then as for the front three, obviously Shankland up top, 
And then I had uh, Barry Mackay, and I actually went for Oda as well um, to start on the right. Kind of similar to what you're saying. I think that these games, um, yeah, I think it's suited to the likes of Mackay. I think that if you're getting the balls in those wide areas, it's all. I think it's really important to have players who are kind of technical and can use it well and can keep a hold of it and under pressure. And I think that the likes of Oda and Mackay are really good at that compared to the likes of, say, Vargas or Forrest, where they're getting a bit more pacey, a bit more direct. Because um, I think Hearts will have time on the ball, and I think it'll be a. Um, again, I think that the likes of Mackay and <clears throat> Oda are really quite well suited to it. I mean, admittedly, Oda, I don't think the last few times he's played, I don't think he's exactly covered himself in glory. I think he could sometimes be a bit more forward thinking himself. But, yeah. I, but I do think that um, having those kind of technical players in the wide areas as opposed to kind of fast guys who are going to get in behind, I think that they're, that's probably better suited uh, to county. But who knows? I might be talking nonsense. What, I don't know, what, what do you think, Scott? Well, no, I, I, I think that's a fair shout. I do think, like Naismith, he always likes to throw maybe one or two curveballs out there. Uh, mm. And I think, you know, Wednesday would have taken a lot out of certain players. You know, Forrest putting a good shift over an hour. So as much as I've quite liked, I, I think Forrest has brought quite a lot to the team this season. Uh, and in particular, sometimes when he's coming off the bench, I think he's a good option to have on the bench uh, on mm. Saturday. And I think you're right. I think Oda can give us that option. Uh, I've just got it. There's just this bit of me that would like to see if Mackay and Lowry could cause havoc in that number 10 position right. and just allow Cochrane and Atkinson to sort of provide the width uh, for the sort of wing back areas. The problem I've always got with Mackay and Oda coming in from the flanks is that I always feel as if if we do get any sort of cross ball situations, they're not. They're not the type of sort of wingers that I feel like sort of take a, a gamble and, and mm, okay, run into the back, back post. post. Mm. Yeah, they, they always tend to sort of you just tend to the, they seem to be quite sort of re- refrained from sort of taking those gambles. Aye. So I kind of feel like sometimes we don't really get enough bodies in the box when they come in from wider areas. Whereas if you've got Mackay and Lowry maybe playing in number tens, everything's coming through quite central and quite narrow. But I think there's more chance, especially with Denham sort of supporting for maybe a deeper position as well, to get a few more bodies in the box and then just ask Cochrane and Atkinson to sort of provide that width in those sort of cross-ball situations. But I'm, I'm not adverse to seeing Oda and, and Mackay starting out wide, and I think there's merit in it, like you say, considering the fact that Ross County probably will start with a three, and, you know, the wide areas flanks has been a bit of a weakness for them all season, uh, then I think that can have its merit as well. Yeah, so again, time will tell. You know, as as you say, Naismith does like to throw his curveballs. Um, I think, I think I've only managed to get the lineup right once or twice in about twenty attempts, and I think Joe's got it right once. So you know, maybe we're just bad at it. I don't know. Maybe we're just not very good at it. But uh, yeah, we 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 do tend to struggle getting it right. But. I guess we'll see what happens tomorrow. I mean, obviously, you'll be going along, Scott, won't you? You'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it because I do, I do think, you know, there, there should be a lot of, should be a good atmosphere considering how the results have been going recently. Uh, and, you know, I'd imagine there'll be a few people maybe hitting the hitting the pubs early doors as well because the old firm game's on. Mm-hmm. And I'll be planning on doing that because uh, I think that'll be an interesting fixture as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I can only see there being a win for us given how we've been playing. I'm not saying it's going to be you know, by many goals. There might just be one or two goals in it again, but but I do think, you know, there's enough about us just now to suggest that we can control the game, dictate the tempo, and when the, the opportunities do arise, hopefully they arise to the, I was going to say right players, but really the right well, player. The right player. <laughs> singular. singular. Uh, 
But it, it would be great to see one or two other players chip in. Uh, I'd, I'd really love to see Frankie Kemp get a goal for us. Uh, mm. And then obviously the likes of Mikai and Oda and that, it'd be great to maybe see them get involved as well. Uh, but but yeah, I uh, can only see it going one way. Well, well let, let's hope you're right, Scott. Let's hope you're right. Um, so I guess we'll probably just leave it there uh, for now, folks. Uh, thank you to everyone that's tuned in and joined us. Thank you, of course, to all our subscribers as well that keep us going. Let's do what, what we do. Um, just a quick word to say, flag a couple of things that are on the site at the moment. Um, we've got a tactics piece from Joel breaking down the uh, the win over Hibs and how it came about. Um, I've got my piece as well talking about um, that I think it's time for fans to get aboard the Stephen Naismith hype train, Juju. And we've got um, a Lawrence Shankland Q&A that will be going out later on tonight ahead of the Derby. And there's also a Xander Clark Q&A that's on the site just now and Joel's uh, analysis piece looking into Clark and why he's undroppable at the moment. So quite a few things there to get keep you going until the game. Of course, we'll still have our predicted lineups coming out later on. And then myself and Joel will be back tomorrow afternoon once the lineup's been announced. And we'll be back after the game as well, I would imagine. Uh, so until then, let's hope that um, it's another three points. Let's hope it's, let, let's get up to what it'll be eight wins and eight wins and ten, and hopefully consolidate that third place a little bit stronger. Um, so yeah, again, just yeah, thank you to everyone. Uh, thank you very much to Scott as well for joining me, and we will see you later. Cheers. <laughs>